Shabbat Shalom, everyone. Shabbat Shalom. It is episode 52, our one-year celebration. Yay, yay, yay. One year. We've been doing it. We've been here every week. Episode 52, we started on 6-28-2020. And Yahweh has kept us. Uh, we're still going strong. Um, the word has gone out. And it says, if it's just one, the angels of heavens rejoice. So if it's just one that got it, that listened to it, the angels of heaven has rejoiced. So we're going to uh, start ahead with a, a little song, and then we're going to pull our first name. So for our celebration, we're going to pull two names today. Uh, you're going to get a cash reward, uh, a, a cash gift of $52, because this is the 52nd episode. So two people will win $52, okay? And so uh, we do not own the rights to this music, but let's just do a little celebration music. Hey, can you all hear? Come to praise you, oh, oh, for the good things you have done. Celebrating Yahweh, yeah, I feel it. Oh, I'll take the host, but I'm not a good singer. But hey, I still praise. Oh, I can dance, though. Yahweh, you are worthy of our praise. Place and healing still going on. 
what is still going on? The Passover is still going on. Hey. Celebrate. You still here. You made it. Quit complaining. Hey. Have so much to be thankful for. Hey. Oh, 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 Africa, we're going to kick it back Africa! up, yeah, can, can we try it again, oh, 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 yeah, bring that beat back, Hey, we used to jam in the club. We can praise the God, right? We can dance for him. Hey. Dance for the Lord. Hey. Worthy of our praise. Hey. Worthy of our praise. Hey. Hallelujah. Woo. Thank you, Lord. Thank you. Thank you. So for our one year celebration, we're going to start off with our uh, first drawing for $52 for our 52 weeks. So if you've been on before, I've also, and I uh, email you every week, the link, I'll put your email in here. Some people have messaged me, so it's in here. So let me pull the first name out of my basket. So it's L-O-R-A-B-E-3 at Comcast.net. So that's our first winner. And you, uh, that's Benjamin. That's Dr. Benjamin. <laughs> so he's our, he's our first winner. And then we're going to draw another one at the name. Yay, yay, yay. Okay. And so uh, we're going to start off with our prayer. So. Um, Brother Mike has been teaching us a prayer, so we're, he's going to start a prayer, and we're going to repeat it, and we're going to do this for the month so we can get that prayer under our belt and in our spirit. So, uh, Brother Mike, if you can start us off with a prayer, we'd appreciate it, and we'll repeat after you. Okay. Shabbat shalom, everyone. Um, I'll we'll start the prayer now, and I'll say it first. I'll have y'all repeat part of, and this is actually a portion of the prayer that is said for the blessing when you're about to study Torah. And it starts off, Barukata Adonai. Y'all can repeat that. Rukata Adonai, which means? Blessed are you, Lord, or blessed are you, Yahweh. Okay. Next part is Eloheinu Melech HaOlam. Eloheinu Melech HaOlam. Eloheinu Melakai Onam. Yes. And that means our, remember I told you about those words that end in U, gonna have to do with us, our or we. So that is our God or our power, Eloheinu. Melik is king and Ha Olam is the universe. So we just said, blessed are you, Yahweh, our power, king of the universe. Okay. Second half, 
is Asher Kedeshanu. Asher Kedeshanu. And that is who has sanctified us. When we got that Kedeshanu, all those oohs, it's us, we, or our. Next is Bemisvota Visivanu. Bemisvota Visivanu. Visivanu. And that is in his commandments and commanded us. So we just finished saying, blessed are you, Yahweh, our power, king of the universe, who has sanctified us in his commandments and commanded us. And the last part is la asok bedevrei Torah. La asok bedevrei Torah. La asok bedevrei Torah. Yes. And, and when you say it all together is barukata Adonai Eloheinu Melech HaOlam Asher Kedeshanu B'mitzvotav B'tzivanu La'asok B'divrei Torah Blessed are you, Yahweh, our power, King of the universe, who has sanctified us with his commandments and commanded us to engross ourselves in the study of Torah. Shalom. Amen. Thank you so much. So by the end of July, we should have that prayer down in our spirit. I know I will. So take time and uh, rewind and write it down and start saying it. You will get blessed. I know you will. Uh, I've been saying some of the prayers, but I've been saying them in English. But we, uh, it, it, we need to learn some Hebrew, too. So write it down and say it and get it in your spirit so you at least know how to say one prayer in Hebrew. We thank you so much, Brother Mike. Thank you. And so uh, with our one year celebration, let's talk about uh, how we got started in our journey. And we'll start with Brother Griff because he was the one who had awakened me. So let's go ahead and let's start with Brother Griff. Thank you so much. Oh, absolutely. Thank you for passing it to me, uh, Sister Easter. So uh, for me personally, um, I would say that, man, it's been such a journey. Uh, it's hard to even think back through everything. Um, but what I would say is uh, just a, a little light testimony here. Um, I was in college. Uh, I would say I was living more of like a prodigal son kind of life. Um, knew, you know, Sister Easter had done so much uh, in my childhood to bring me up in the church and to bring me up uh, with those seeds of faith uh, planted throughout my life. Um, but, you know, of course, as any hard-headed 18-year-old, 19-year-old does, I chose my own path and, you know, I wanted to, uh, I wanted to live the college life and do all that stuff. Uh, I remember expressly saying to myself, I remember, you know, hearing God's voice, because again, it was just so deeply rooted in me. I remember hearing God's voice in college and, and being like, no, nah, you know, I hear you, God, but I got you after college. Like, let, let me do my thing first. You know, I want to have fun and then. I'll come back to the fold, you know, uh, once all once all that happens. Um, and God just said, no. He said, no. He said, choose ye this day. Who you going to serve? It's going to be me or you going to serve Mammon? And when I made that decision, when I called out to God and I made a decision to serve him, um, you know, it just, it changed my life. But before I go there, the thing I would say is that I was so reluctant because something just didn't seem right for me in Christianity. Something just seemed off. 
and I couldn't, I couldn't quite put my finger on it all my life. Something just wasn't, wasn't there. You know, I go in and I see these pictures and all these things of Christ depicted as a fair-skinned man. I would see and hear all the stories and some just, it just didn't sit well in my spirit. And so uh, once I got to college and, you know, you really start to question things and learn how to have an inquiry-based uh, mindset, you know, I kind of started to walk away a bit. But again, when God pulled me back in, he pulled me back in such an amazing way, um, you know, sent his Holy Spirit down and just showed me what it meant to have the indwelling of the spirit. Um, and it just changed my life forever. Now, as far as learning that I was a Hebrew, as far as learning that who my true identity was, that was just a process uh, as God started to just lead me to the word and reveal things to me again and again and again. Um, it just became clear after a while. And then I got, I went through this period of anger of like, how did nobody tell me this? How was I in church all my life? How did I grow up in the church? How did I grow up going to church every Sunday, reading the announcements, being in choir practice, going on Wednesdays? How could I be so involved and no one ever tell me who I actually was? I'm thinking I'm a Gentile all my life, uh, not knowing my true identity. Wow. So I went through a period of anger where I was real frustrated with the church. Um, and actually uh, talking to uh, you, Sister Easter and Jerry really uh, gave me some solace, but I was really frustrated for a while. But then, you know, um, I realized that that more than anything, it wasn't necessarily, I don't want to say it's not on our church fathers and our, our pastors, but what I learned is that we've just been so heavily deceived. The, the, the conspiracy or the uh, deception runs so deep um, that I just had to thank God for giving me the gift of showing me who I was rather than be like upset or angry at anybody else. I just had to kind of receive that miracle and receive that gift. Uh, it says in Proverbs, it is the glory of God to conceal a matter, but the glory of Kings is search out that matter. And you know, wow. that, was those, that was one of those small verses, you know, sometimes you see those small verses and, um, it just means the world to you in the moment that you see it. And that was wow. one of those verses that really just allowed me to know, like, you know, it, it is the glory of God to have this thing. Um, and so just started to seek out my identity more and more. Um, and then, of course, I brought it to my mother. And I'm like, Mom, <laughs> you know, <laughs> everything we know is wrong. You know, we've been talking about Christmas, been talking about doing this. And I'm, I'm his was, mother. For those who don't know, I'm his mother, but go ahead. <laughs> yeah. Uh, the thing that was a smoking gun for me, the thing where I was like, okay, this is not just about uh, identity. This is about worshiping the wrong God. The, the, the place where I got to there and I started to really realize something was critically wrong was when God led me to the passage, um, I believe it's in Jeremiah, where it says, don't cut a tree out of the forest and put it in your house. And I, you know, it was going, coming towards Christmas time and I saw that passage and I'm just like, whoa, I'm like, that's very specific to something that we actually practice today. And I started to just dig in and dig in. And it was just like, man, like we are doing things that are literal uh, demonic worship and bringing them into our household and bringing them into our culture. Uh, how deep does this go? And that really is what started me on like understanding truly uh, the level of pagan worship that we've incorporated into our everyday life. Um, and that, that, that was the catalyst I would say that really got me to being like, okay, uh, not only is it like just knowing that the biblical, uh, that the Bible, people in the Bible are my ancestors, but this is also about the practice and what I'm doing today, uh, because I don't want to be a part of anything that's not the worship of the, of the one uh, true and living God. 
Preach, preach, son, preach. And so that was that was when you know I really really started to ramp up, and that's when I when I told you about it. When I got to the point where I was like, not only is this something I need to know, but this is something that you know if I if I love anybody around me, if I love my mother, if I love, then I need to get this message across. I need to tell them about this um, in any way I know how. And so that's when I started talking to my mom about it. Uh, we started talking about how we, you know, how I shouldn't do Christmas. My mom was like, boy, what you talking about? Like, we, you know, we always did Christmas. It was just, you know. I did because I, I love, you know, giving. And that was one of my my big, I'm like, you know, you, this boy then came home from college. He's losing his mind. He got around <laughs> those, those folks over there at Williams. What's going on? I need something, to go visit. Something wrong with him. But, <laughs> uh, but uh, yeah, so, so we started talking about not doing Christmas, doing stuff like that. And at first... Of course, uh, just like I was, my, uh, my mom was a little bit skeptical, like, what were you talking about? Um, but as I started showing her scriptures and the Lord started to reveal stuff, uh, and one day, I, I can't remember that, one day my mom just called me and was like, you're right, like, this stuff is wrong. We just been doing it blindly. And that's when it kind of took off. Once, I, once, she, uh, once we came into agreement on that, um, that's when we kind of just took we started, off. We started studying together started studying together and started to also just hold some traditions because it's tough for anybody that's uh you know watching the show and thinking about making that transition the one thing i'll say is it is tough especially when you're doing it alone especially when you don't have folks around you that are like-minded it's tough to break away from all those traditions because they're so strong christmas easter all this stuff is so strong and tied in culture um, that it's really tough. But when we came into agreement and it was like, okay, we both not gonna put up a tree and we both not gonna celebrate this stuff. And we both gonna, you know, start, start researching Hanukkah and sending each other little pieces for how we can do Hanukkah and stuff like that. Once we got to that place, it became just so much, um, I don't wanna say easier, but it became so much more realistic to carry out these traditions and to start to go back to the word. Um, so yeah, I was, I would say that was my first thing. And, was and, like, and when you, when you awakened me then it was like, Oh, what else are we was pagan yeah. that we prayed? And then I started looking, it was like all of them, but go everything. ahead. You start realizing everything. You get so hungry once you, once you see that first thing. And, and this was back in, I, I got saved back in, two, in 2010. Uh, so it was in the first couple of years where God really started to work and do these things in my life. So this had to be about 2012, uh, that we started kind of really just figuring this out and realizing who we were. Um, but then, you know, uh, one thing that's really been encouraging to me is in recent culture, you're starting to see some of these celebrities come out and say this stuff, right? You're starting to see Kendrick Lamar made an album in which all the interludes, uh, had his uncle on there talking about, we were the Hebrews. Um, you saw Jay Electronica just made an album. His came more from the Muslim perspective, but just made an album, uh, under the same guys. And so you're starting to see a lot of these uh, pop stars and a lot of these uh, start, starting to hit mainstream culture. And that's encouraging for me because we've been doing this and, you know, getting weird looks from some people when we tell them things like that uh, for about five, six years now, probably a little bit longer than that. Uh, and it's, it's recently the awakening is starting to happen to the point where it's starting to go out into the media. So that's really encouraging as well. Um, but the other thing that was big for me was when I finally came across uh, Deuteronomy, where we started to read the curses and the blessings. And of course, as we all, all of us here know, that's really the smoking gun. When you look at this is the mark of God's people and you look at, well, what is it's that? Like, it, was, it was like my birth certificate when I read it, but go ahead. Yeah. 
Uh, it, it was it, it was like oh you can't tell me I'm not a Hebrew all this stuff didn't happen to my people it was like a birth certificate but go ahead Deuteronomy 28. Uh huh. But then but then but then the stamp on it is once you see the maps and I know Rabbi's been having the uh, map in the background of um of what they call Negro Land uh, before they divided up Africa uh, but when you once you see the maps the official maps and you see that the Kingdom of Judah was right there and was present day Nigeria. You see the slave trade routes. You see that's where most of us came from. Is that the same exact area? And you start to put it all together, and it's just like, man, you know. And so, um, and so, you know, it, it it was so interesting. Start to, to discover the identity, uh, but now we're in that mode of like, how do I put this into practice day by day? So now it's just a matter of, you know, uh, sisters. You always say, you know, what is our identity? Um, and then, you know, the last thing I always say is how do we move forward? And that's just the focus now is how do we take this and uh, not only live out who we're supposed to be, but also affect the change that we're supposed to affect in the world through who we are. Because you know that the whole creation groans for us. The whole creation groans for the sons of God to know who they are and to do, uh, and to do their duty. And so, you know, more than anything now, I'm in that, in that phase of just how do I take this and live out my ultimate purpose, but it's been a long journey. Um, and you know, it's nowhere, I'm, we're not even a quarter of the way towards the finish line, right? It's been a long journey. We got so much more to go. Um, Amen. I'm just so, I'm just so thankful to Yahweh that, that, you know, and he gave it to me in my youth. Uh, and I, I just thank him for that, for giving me a chance to wrestle with these ideas, giving me a, a, a spirit of inquiry uh, to be able to just figure this out um, by his grace and by his glory and by his spirit, because we know that the, the uh, Ruach HaKodesh, that is the revealer and that is the teacher and that is the one that's revealed this to all of us. Um, but, but, but sending folks into our life, like uh, everybody here on the line that, you know, I, you know, I don't even fully know how my, how my mom got connected with everybody, uh, everybody's individual story. But I know that every single person on this line has brought so much into my life as far as understanding, as far as advice, as far as just living an example of uh, what it means to be uh, an Israelite. And so I, I just thank, you know, Yahweh so much for this past year, for just us meeting, for sending us on this journey, for still having wisdom. And, you know, in the midst of this pandemic, in the midst of all this, this is what, you know, through that adversity, we um we birthed this or this congregation or we birthed this this meeting group and i just thank them so much you know it's always a silver line and there's always good to come out of any situation um and this is one of the best things that happened uh for me through the pandemic so i thank them for that uh so i'll go ahead and cut it off right there so much more i can say uh sister Easter, but i'll go ahead and cut it off right there it's kind of uh, my journey and how i've got here to this moment today amen amen Thank you so much for that testimony. It breaks yokes. And when I hear you speak of it, it brings tears to my eyes because I know that you are my fruit. And if I've done nothing right, I've helped and assisted and guiding you to the Torah and back to your identity and who you were. And that's what our job as a parent is to do. And, you know, I wasn't equipped. I didn't know the truth. But if you just keep doing what you're supposed to do and stay on that path through your good days and bad days and still keep praising Yahshua, he, he said, knock and the door will be open. He will he will show you the way. And so that that testimony, uh, if I've done nothing right, if I was to die tomorrow, I know I did right by you. Amen. Amen. And, so and, and, it, and Sister Easter, can, can I say one more thing real quick? Mm -hmm. um, 
there was so many times where I was in situations where, you know, I shouldn't be here today or there's situations where, uh, you know, things have just happened to me where I look and I'm like, man, I was so dumb in that situation or, you know, I had no wisdom. And before I was even on God's side, when I was an enemy of God, there were so many times where he saved me and he did things uh, that I look back and I'm like, man, that was God. And here I am, you know, dead wrong in my sins and he still took care of me. And so I just wanted to say that uh, to the parents out there, the prayers of the saints, you never know when your child or when whoever you're praying for needs that. I don't know if y'all understand how powerful prayer, but I look back and I say, it was the prayers of my mom, the prayers of my grandma. It was these prayers that carried me when I was an enemy, when I was against God. It was these prayers that saved me in my sin and in my iniquity. It was these prayers that brought me back to the truth. It was these prayers that held me. So uh, to all those folks out there, just the power of prayer is so real. Here I am a young man that can look back and just see it in my life and just see, um, you know, how many folks grew up similar to me, but didn't come to the same conclusion or didn't make it to this place um, for whatever reason. But I know it was the power of prayers in my family, by my aunts, my godmothers, my, uh, you know, but especially my parents, uh, my, my mother and, uh, and, you know, my grandma. But it was those prayers that that kept us in our ignorance, right? Those prayers that kept us through our ignorance, through the curse, uh, as our saving grace. So I just wanted to name that. I don't know who might have needed that today, but just keep praying for your seeds. Keep praying for this generation because the breakthrough is coming. Amen. Amen. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you for that testimony. Well, um, I grew up in a, in, um, in church. What was an Antioch Baptist church? My mind is going. So I grew up in Antioch Baptist church, uh, a, a, a devout Baptist, basically. And uh, when we came in, we weren't even allowed to wear pants or anything, even when we had our, our Bible studies and, and different things like that. And so my grandmother, Ethel, who I'm named after, she was a mother of the church. Her and my grandfather helped establish that church. It was started at a house. And then um, Reverend Hunter and my grandfather and a bunch of deacons had gotten together until it was built into a church. And so they were very, very deep grounded in the church. We did the hymns. We went through the ceremony. We did the whole thing. So that's really what, what, what was my beginning in Christianity. And so um, that being said, I always heard a voice, even when I was small. But I, I really didn't know what it was. I always had like the guidance of the Lord. But of course, you don't know what that voice is. You don't know what your dreams and, and things are. So um I did have that going on. And I always in my spirit, as I got older, knew there was more, like I was missing something. It's like, I'm at this wall that I can't get over. And I'm like, what, God, what am I missing? And then I heard about the tongues. I'm like, that, that must be it. That must be it. So I went to my pastor at the time and he said to practice. You know, I'm ignorant. I didn't know. He said, go in your car and practice. And so when I told my mother about that, she said, Somebody can't give you what they don't have, honey. She said, if they don't have it, they can't give it to you. You can't practice. That's a gift from God. And so I had prayed about it, but I, I hadn't gotten it. And so it wasn't until I, that's when I was in Pennsylvania. I moved here to Houston and my son Griff had gotten in some, some he was under attack at college. 
and you know, I'm, I'm, I'm mama. Mama bear was coming. For, and so the Lord told me to be still. And I said, no, no, they're messing with my baby. I'm going down there. I'm going to turn this college out. God said, be still. So I said, okay. So I started fasting and praying. I was in the bathroom, I, uh, sitting on a commode. That's when I started speaking in tongues. God just, I was fasting at the time. I was praying for my son. And I started speaking in tongues then. And then the Lord revealed to me that my son was going to be okay. And he was, he, he was fine. God uh, brought him out that, off of that attack. And so at that time I knew, you know, people were being slain in the spirit, but I had never been slain in the spirit. So, you know, my carnal mind is like, oh, they know the pastor, this stuff ain't real. If, if they being slain in the spirit, I, I, I need a taste of that. And so this, I can remember when I said that this girl got hit by the spirit, she came out of her shoes. I'm like, okay, God, you missed me. Wrong person. You know, I'm being ignorant, so to speak. And then I got slain in the spirit. And then I, that was probably, I was 30 years old. I had gone through my mother's death, had gone through, I, I was being a, a knucklehead, a stiff neck people as, as the Bible say. And so when that healing took place from the top of my head to the bottom of my feet and cleansed me, I could hear that voice from when I was a child again. And I knew then it was the Lord. It was Yahshua and Yahweh speaking to my spirit. And then since then, I've, I've grown closer to him and closer to him. So let's go up to where Griff comes home and he's telling me about not celebrating Christmas, getting rid of these trees and all that. I'm like, this boy really tripping. Maybe this college didn't brainwash him. Let me go and start researching different things. And that as a parent is what you need to do. If your child is coming home telling you some things that don't add up, you need to go research it. You need to go find out. You need to find out who's teaching him these things. That's, that's part of your duty, right? Even with his music, when he was growing up, he would listen to his rap music. And I said, any, any rap song you listen to, I want to know what it means. When you listen to it, tell me what it means. Break it down. And if it didn't have a positive uh, background to it, you can't listen to it. If the game, those fighting games, those video games that they brainwash the kids want to shoot and all that, no, not in my house. And so I started researching what he was telling me. And I'm like, oh my God. Then I started coming more into light too. And so that was hard for me to digest too, that I had been lied to and that these things were going on. So I said, okay, well, we need to go over to Israel because that's the type of person I am. But the, the ticket was very expensive. And so I said, God, well, and it was it was it was coming uh, that Easter Sunday was, was coming up. That's when I want to go through the Holy Week. And so I put my name on this thing on the computer. Anyway, it came back very cheap, two tickets for two weeks to go there. And so that was the opportunity to go there to walk on the land that our Yahshua had walked on in that holy ground. Um, I can't even explain everything that happened. It was one of the most beautiful trips. Uh, Griff and I, we ended up baptizing each other in the Jordan River. It, it was just miracle after miracle that we experienced. Our view from our hotel was uh, the Griff. What, what was it called? The Griffin? Yeah, it, it was like literally from our door, looking at our hotel, you could see the uh, big griffin that is, I don't even know what the griffin is for fully, but there's a big griffin right there in the middle of uh, Jerusalem. And I'm like, man, we home. <laughs> there it is right there. We, we ain't realize it was home. There it is right there. Golden griffin 
right there in the middle of the city. And and I wanted our trip to be not something where we just go on these tours and listen to what everybody tells us because I was tired of hearing what people was telling us. I wanted to explore ourselves. So I rented this car and it was this little itty bitty car. And I'm like, why are they giving us this little itty bitty car? The streets are so narrow. You have to have a little itty bitty car even to park. And, and uh, Griff had always said I was a wild driver, him and his friends. I fit right in. Everybody was honking their horns and we were driving all wild. And we just, we went to let the anointing lead us. We went to uh, Demonia, which was right by uh, some of his families over there. And they came from Chicago. They've been there trying to get their citizenship um, for a long, long time. But I'm going to tell you. And, and, and Mar, real quick, that that's that's why I wanted to go. Uh, I had watched. Um, I don't know if, if you guys know Amari Stoudemire. Uh, he was a basketball player, played in the NBA, but he made a documentary um, called Kingdom of God, and he made a documentary on the folks in Demona, and that was one of those things. Can we go back for one second, uh, Mom? Because this is, I think, this is one of like the pivotal moments. Was I came home? I was home for one summer. It had to be my senior year right after I was saved and all that, I came home and my mom was telling me, she kept, she kept saying, she woke up one day and said, I had a dream about the horns last night. I heard the horn last night in my dream. And she had been saying something that she said all our life, like once a year, maybe once every other year, she would have a dream about the horn going off, the siren going off and would say, hey, be on alert because I had a dream about the siren going off. And, um, Something was in my spirit this time where God said, okay, look and see what I got to show you. And so, you know, um, she says she has a dream about the siren going off. I started to do some research and I realized that we are smack dab in the midst of Rosh Hashanah, right? And then I started to just, I started to think back to all these times where she's had these dreams and they've always come when the traditional horn would have sounded in Jerusalem. So it was just so unbelievable to see like, this is in our blood. This is so embedded in our DNA that even when we were ignorant and had no idea who we were um, and you know had no idea of what a shofar was or anything like that, even then Yahweh was still dropping it into our spirit. Yahweh was still giving us the signs and the seasons and was still showing the siren and the horn just as he would in Jerusalem. And when I think when uh, you said that to me and I showed you, oh, like, we and were, we would even a, we would even fast for people with cancer, but it was really on holy days that God was leading us into fasts too. And even something simple as to, to, uh, cucumber tomato salad, I always craved it. We go to Israel, that's all they serve that's, us. That's, that's called Jerusalem salad. salad. <laughs> yeah. So it, it, it was that kind of stuff where it was like, man, this is bigger than us. Like I can sit here and we can talk rationally and we can talk through logic all we want to, but what do you do about this spiritual realm? What do you do about what's happening in the spiritual realm? Uh, what do we do about this? Like, and that's when we really started to get hungry and be like, God, what is going on? Um, and that really just launched us down the path of understanding truly our identity. And, and once you go to Israel, you walk on Holy Land, I, your life will never be the same. It's just you're you're when you come back, you're just so in tune with so much. I just can't really explain it. When we got back, uh, Griff, they offered him a job to be a dean at a college. He had only been uh, at a high school. He had only been teaching there like two years. They offered him a dean's job and I didn't want to let him go. But once they said dean, I'm like, that's 
on your resume, go ahead and go. So I had to let him go. But um, and then, you know, the Lord had taken me to this place. I wrote this book, a Resurrection Aerobics. And uh, I'm going to tell you, a Jewish person, they funded this book. And it, they, they've been around me my whole life. It's crazy. But God had taken me to this place outside of this realm right here, outside the world. And you might say it sounds weird, but I was standing there and I really didn't want to come back. But he, he went ahead and he sent me back. But um, he's just been revealing himself to me. Um, and there also was a pruning that I went through. And I took Griff, I'll never forget it, to uh, this place called Mike Seafood. And I said, listen, he was in college at the time still. I said, God is about to do something pruning me and that's stripping me down. And I said, so when you come back, I don't know what's going what, what's gonna to happen because he's like, choose you this day, who you going to serve? So I'm going to serve him. And he showed me my poverty. But he also showed me the re his resurrection and when he was going to bring me back and multiply me. And I sat Griff down. I told him that. And sure enough, we went through it. It, it, it came a time where I didn't want to let go of this Christmas. And I, I was stripped down. to I, I didn't have nothing to give him on that day. And I felt like, oh, my God, I can't send him. I can't do anything. And I just felt I can't even explain it. But um, we didn't sell it. We stopped celebrating it at that time. And God did resurrect me. Um, and he continues to resurrect me. He continues to use me. And so then um, it got to the point where Griff was burning. I, I can literally when I was talking to my son on the phone, his body was overheating. Mine was overheating. It was because we wasn't giving the word out to the people. And, and I said, my son is literally going to explode if he doesn't get this word out into the community. That's what God was showing me. He needed to preach. He need, he, he's, he's a prophet. He needed to get the word out. And so I said, we have got to put this out to, to someone. And I said, the awakening has happened. We know our identity and we have got to move forward. And it's just by chance, as all this was going on, the, the pandemic at some point started to hit in the midst of this. And then the, the George Floyd, the death of him, all that started happening. It was just all coming together at one time. So that's just been my walk. And so I, I wasn't knowledgeable. I'm, I'm just the average person. I, I ain't nobody. God was just saying, you, you're just a hostess for the most. When I say I'm not nobody, I'm just a, a, a vessel that the Lord is using. And that's all I can do is, that's all I can offer is point you to the Torah, point you to the cross. I have nothing else to give you. And if God's not going to use me, he has somebody else he's going to replace me with. So I've just been obedient to what he's been telling me. And I'm going to tell you, I was at a basketball game last week. And my husband started talking to this woman. And I'm like trying to leave because, you know, I've been sitting on this, this bench for about two hours. So she starts talking about Yahshua and Yahweh, how God has saved her. She was having a heart attack, how she ain't nobody. She started prophesizing and, and to me and talking to me. And then she started talking about the sefer, which I've been having a sefer here, which the sefer is, a, is the Bible. But it uses Yahshua and Yahweh in their, their original names. And I hadn't been reading it because, you know, sometimes when you don't understand something, you're kind of scared of it. But it, it has taken me to another level because the Lord was saying it, it's time for you to go to this level. So now 
and I have been going in and out to Sefer, but now I'm going to just start reading from the Sefer. And what I don't understand, I've been using the regular Bible too, because some of the names in there, I don't get it. So God has taken me to another level this week. He'll He'll take you to, to phases to the next level. And not only Rabbi and Griff has taught me, the Lord is teaching me Yahweh himself. All I can tell you is try him. Try him. He will show you. He will speak to your spirit. He, he One-on-one. It's not about Griff. It's not about me. It's not about Rabbi. If you start opening up, saying Yahshua, Yahweh name, studying the Torah, knowing who you are, claiming your identity, he will show you the way. He will take you to new heights in your life that you can't even explain. There's so many blessings I can sit here and tell you. And some of the people who know me will say, hey, she, she coming from a long way. I have, and it's because of him. And I give it all to him. He gets all the glory. Amen. Amen. Rabbi Afshalom, I, I know you, we, and we can go on, we, we, can, we can be <laughs> on this podcast all day if we want to talk about our journey and, and how what he's shown us. Uh, Griff, at some point, he had to get back to school in, with his, um, his schooling. So he said, Mom, it's getting to be too much. So I started praying. So I did two shows myself. And then I talked to uh, Apostle Benjamin. I said, do you know anyone? And he said, I got the perfect person, Rabbi Afshalom. He said he's, he's known his identity from the beginning. He speaks in Hebrew. I called him, and on 9-5-2020, Rabbi Afshalom, he's uh, taken over the teaching. And I thank him so much. I thank Brother Griff. I th they're the best teachers that you can ever have. You can learn a lot from them. So Rabbi Afshalom, you could just, uh, whatever the Lord puts in your spirit. Shabbat Shalom, everyone. Uh, thank you, uh, Alko Esther, for uh, allowing me to be here with you all. So my journey is pretty much the same as yours, <laughs> as yours, except for the fact that instead of of um, me teaching my mother, uh, my mother taught me uh, who I was, and and you know, growing up in Gary, Indiana, um, around we always had a strong family nucleus we're always close uh, relative wise you know we we're always physically close we could always i could walk to my relatives but um we have you ever felt like you just don't fit when you you know you're in a, in a place with people you just there's something off you just don't fit i had that feeling for a long time even in ministry, I had that same feeling. I just can't quite fit. Um, but I started to remember what my mother taught me. My dad was always at work and he was quiet. And all he did was either in the garden or he was at work, but he was always providing. But my mother, she was the one that really kept us rooted in, in who we were as a people, she would call us Hebrew. She would call us Israelite. She wouldn't call us Negroes. I don't think I ever heard my parents say, call us Negroes. Now my dad referred to other black people as colored people. 
that's what my dad would refer to other he said a color man over there and i wonder why would he call them colored people but you know it never you know how it is when they say things but he never i really identified as a colored man and he didn't want my sisters to marry colored men he didn't want her to marry white men either okay but he had a different his his speech was you know we used to mock him all the time you know the way he'd talk but all the children loved him in the in the community they all loved him still but but he knew who he was he knew who he was he didn't voice it but he knew who he was and my mother again in Gary, Indiana, we, when we first, when I first started growing up, I didn't grow up close to a synagogue or a temple. Didn't even hear it. The word didn't even come out of the mouth. I, I don't remember going to the Christian church before 1965. I don't remember going, even though I know we did go once in a while to with my aunts, they would take us. But I didn't, it never, never stuck with us. And um, we moved to the west side of Gary, Indiana, from the east side to the west side. And I didn't understand, you know, everything about it being a child, 64, 63, 64, in the year 63, But we were within walking distance of a temple. And as soon as we got settled in, my mother would say, y'all want to go to the temple with me on Saturday. We'll go to the temple. And she, we, I began to walk to the temple with her. And these people in there were black with beards, with these kippahs on. They were Jews. Oh. She said, this, these are our people. Amen. Okay, these are our people. And she said, we, um, we don't celebrate Christmas. We don't have the trees. We don't do East. We don't do Easter. She said, we don't do those things. These are our people. And we started going there. And I had my little kippah and all this stuff. Mine is 1964. And we were, you know, just getting my roots good as far as Torah study, learning the principles of Torah. And then they moved. They left and, and they were gone. We went there and they were they we knew they were going they were saying they were going to israel and they all of a sudden they were gone wow and, uh, we didn't go with them and that was probably 65 66 about 66 they were gone two groups went over to israel the demonic group and then one that went straight into you know went on into to israel earlier hey, um, and, hey, rabbi, and i had friends yes rabbi real quick uh i've never asked you this do you look back and wish you would have went with them or is there any kind of feeling on that or are you like we stayed and that's what we should have done how you feel about that looking back it wasn't our time i, I never questioned it I never thought about it but it, it wasn't our time um and and because everyone has their own time right but it just wasn't so i really didn't i, I sometimes I think about it we didn't but i said i knew why we didn't go um it wasn't our time. Uh -huh. We had a lot of work to do here. A lot of things to go through here in preparation, but it just wasn't our time. We, uh, you know, uh, so anyway, that a part of that group, you know, is still in Chicago. You know, part of that that kind of that community is 
called the Ethiopian Congregation. Rabbi, Chief Rabbi Fune is, is leading that congregation right now. But that was our, that was our, you know, anchor point. So when they left and went to Israel, we were like, we're the only ones left. There's nobody here. We're by ourselves. What do we do? So I didn't go to church. I'll tell you, I didn't go to church on Sunday. 66, 65 from that. When they left, I just didn't go anywhere. My mother didn't go anywhere. She stayed at home. We stayed at home. We studied at home. We didn't go anywhere. We didn't have a congregation. We were just stranded, like in the wilderness. And I would see people going to church. There was a Methodist church right down the, right down the street from within walking distance. And I would see them going, friends from school going there on Sunday. And I would wonder, you know, but I, I wouldn't go. I walked past the place. I did have reference for the building. I would stop running or whatever. I, I wouldn't do it in the play in the parking lot. We had a reverence for God, no matter what the house was. It just wasn't our place of worship. And um, in high school, I would they would have militants for Christ. I didn't get involved in that, and I would watch, you know. And then, then when I got out of high school, I still hadn't remember from this. I'm ten, you know, ten, eleven years old, twelve years old. I hadn't been to any church. And I'm 17 years old now, graduating high school, still hadn't been to any church at all, right? But I knew Torah. I knew something about Torah. I knew about keeping the Sabbath. I knew we didn't do the holidays. But but friends, all of my friends, um, well, I should say the majority of my friends went to church on Sunday. Some of them went on Saturday. Some of them did go on Saturday on the, keep the Sabbath. Only one family on my, on my block kept Sabbath. But they were Seventh Day Adventists, and we weren't a part of that either. They were not. They would. We would. We didn't. We wouldn't call them Torah keepers, but they kept the Shabbat. Um, and so in high school, and again, and when I went into the mill, went to college, dropped out of college because I was just too wild, and then just, just I said I better go on in the military. I went on in the army, <laughs> and it didn't go to church there either. I mean, I was in. I came down here to Houston on special assignment while in the military, stayed with a, an old school teacher. Uh, he in, he took me to a Baptist church. I went in there one time and, and never went back again. Uh, so there was no church for me. So I really wasn't rooted, rooted or grounded in Christianity. My foundation system was Torah, was I was a Jew. I'll put it that way. I was a Jew, not a black Jew, just a Jew because mm -hmm. we didn't because we already knew who we were. We knew our skin was black, right? So we didn't have to say that, we were just Jews. It wasn't until later on that I started to see things different between Israelites and Jews. We used to go to Jew town, right? And get suits and stuff. My brother had a tailor-made suits made with the Jews. We, had, we did business with Jews. That's who we did our business with. Um, my doctor was, was a Jew, but I didn't really, you know how those things that just, that's just the way it is, right? You don't think mm -hmm. about it. I didn't think about the relationship of who we really, who we were and why we did those things. So again, in military, and I came out of the military, still church was not, I was not going to go on. I was not going to do it. And uh, until I met my wife and uh, when, I, when I met my wife, let me put it this way. When I met, before I met my wife, I said, I'm going to be married by the time I'm 25 years old. I prophesied, right? I prophesied that was myself. At 24, year, 24 years, uh, 20 days, bef 
19 days before my birthday, my 25th birthday, I married my wife. We got wow. married. <laughs> she was the one. Yeah. <laughs> she was the one. That that was a that was a fulfillment of a prophecy, right? That fulfilled a prophecy. You spoke into existence. And it happened, right? Because I didn't know her when I said that. I had no idea who she was. Mm -hmm. So and I spoke it and I never said anything to her about it, but I said it. And um, so she invited me to go to church and then she went to a Baptist church. And so I, I went with her, not knowing how to go into the church or anything, carrying my gun and all this. I was a policeman at that time, carrying my guns. I didn't, I went, put my gun back in the car, went to church with her. I sat and listened to the preacher preaching. It was on Sunday, and so I, you know, listened. And so it kind of stuck. I said, hmm, this is it's the word. So it kind of stuck. And my wife, you know, with your Isha, your wife, you want to, you know, you love your wife, you know, you don't want to. Uh, but I enjoyed myself. I put it that way. And, and then shortly after we left and, and moved to Houston, I had friends that were my high school friends. Uh, I went that was here in Houston. We went to the service together. I went and joined church with him, uh, Baptist Church. But there was always something off with all of that. And you know, we actually when we first got married, we did Christmas because my wife was a Christian, so we did Christmas. But it was always kind of with me. I was kind of afraid, but I do it anyway because it was my wife. But you know, it just wasn't who I was. But I did it, and I enjoyed it because it was my wife, and we were bringing our children up. And we were in a Christian country, so you know I, I did it. Um, but in ministry and, and in the Baptist church, a year after I joined the Baptist church, I became I got I was called into ministry. But think about this: I'm an Israelite, a Jew. I'm at a Christian church, and I don't feel right. I don't feel quite like I fit in. But I'm there, and I'm doing it because of friendship. I have a friend there. It's, it's like it's like it's like when I was describing up against that wall, like it's something more to this. It's just in your spirit. Yeah. That's, that's peculiar yeah. kind of people. But go ahead. Yeah, that's right. It, it's in you. It's it, once it's there, it's there, right? And and there's something about this spirit of God that if you just listen to it, it'll guide you. And everything that happens in your life it, is geared toward taking you to a specific place in your life. In your relationship with the Father, so all these things are happening, and they they're guiding me to a place where I, I needed to be. Uh -huh. So you think about it. I accept Jesus Christ as my Lord and Savior. I joined the church, and a year later, I'm in ministry. I'm in ministry. I preached my first sermon. Guess what my first sermon is? Joshua one and eight. <laughs> this book of the law shall not depart out of your mouth, but it's, it's, you know you should meditate on it day in and day out. That's my first sermon. And it's all talking about Torah, the meditating uh, on the Torah. And I'm, I'm in a Baptist church, and I'm, 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 a, I'm in my heart, I'm a Torah man, right? And again, my first, that's a clue. That's one of the clues. Your sermon is about the Torah. And I'm learning these things. And the, and the preacher, the, the pastor is telling us the gifts of the Spirit are not in operation. They're no longer relevant today. Huh. And my friend, who was also in ministry, he would we would argue and debate about the gift of the you know gift of the Holy Spirit. I'm saying that's not what the Scripture says, you know. 
And so we would debate on it. And he asked me one day, he said, did you receive the Holy Spirit? I said, no, but I know that it's true. And remember now, I'm an Israelite, Jew, I'm in a Baptist church, and I'm debating about the Holy Spirit, right? <laughs> <laughs> and, and then the, 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 the thing is, my wife, my Isha, we go to, to uh, Seattle, and we stay with her brother. And she received the gift of the Holy Spirit. Now, I'm, you know, we we just we talked about the Bible all the time. We talked about the Holy Spirit, and so she goes and she gets she gets baptized in the Holy Spirit. Uh -huh. And I'm not, but I'm teaching it and I'm believing it and I'm arguing about it. But I haven't received, and she had. And and sometime later, we were sitting at home and she asked me if I wanted to receive. And I said, Yeah, I'm ready to receive. I, I sat down, we prayed, and I received the, the gift of the Holy Spirit. So when I received the gift, here's another thing. Another waypoint. I received the Holy Spirit and the word just jumps off the page. But it's about the Torah. It's uh, about, you know, things that we don't talk about in the Baptist church. And so we moved up to a Pentecostal church. And, and people got to realize when, when this is happening to you, talk to God like you're talking to us. Like he's right there. When you start, it's like people say, oh, you're crazy talking to yourself. No, you're talking to the Lord just like he's there, and he will answer you. He will show you. Just talk to him. And I speak out loud to him all the time, like, God, you know, what's going on here? And somebody was in the room, they're like, this girl nuts. But you talk to the Lord just like you're talking to a person right there. He will show you. He will answer you. Well, go ahead. Uh, yeah, uh, that's Rabbi, can, can I say yeah. real quick, when I received the Holy Spirit, the same thing happened. It was as if the words just jumped off the page like I had never seen before. It was like I looked at the Bible and it was just a, a much different experience. I looked at the words and they just came alive. So, you know, I don't know if that's what happens to everybody, but I just completely connect with that. When I received the Holy Spirit, the words just came alive. And, and, and when I received the Holy Spirit, I was able to read the Bible and have knowledge. You know, you read the Bible all your life, they're just words. But once that Holy Spirit is in you, you understand those words. They come a, a story to you like a book that you, a magazine you're reading. It, it becomes in your spirit like a story. But go ahead, right. Rabbi. Yeah. And see, that's the thing. That's another thing I want to be is when, you know, being married to my wife and she was a Christian, grew up as a Christian in a Christian household. And I grew up on the other side, you know, as you know, we are Torah keepers. But as the scripture says, for this cause shall the man leave his father and his mother and shall cleave unto his wife, right? And so this is one of the reasons why we are so strong to make sure, well, we, I put it that we really want to make sure that we, when we marry our wives, that they are in Torah, right? Or at least are, a, are have a desire to come to Torah, right? Because as men, when we when we start cleaving to our wives, we start we don't want to hurt our wives, right? We want to to be with our wives, and so we don't want to discourage them from, especially if they believe God. You don't want to do that. So that was very important for me, right? To 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 show her and to to bring it up into in our in our family, but not to forcefully do it. That's just my way, though, right? Everybody's different. Everybody's different. The, the blessing in it is that she was receptive and she received it. That was, you know, of course, that's the spirit. That's not me. That's the, the work of the Holy Spirit, how the spirit works. But again, in my journey as into receiving the gift of the Holy Spirit, before I received it, again, I must go back to this little testimony. My wife and I would go into these different 
Christian congregations, European, who had the gifts of the Holy Spirit, because you know, we hadn't gone to the Church of God in Christ at that time. And I was familiar with, I was very familiar with the Church of God in Christ, because my sister dated a, a, a had a boyfriend who was in the Church of God in Christ. She actually wound up marrying him. They got divorced afterward because she was a she was a Torah person, and, they, oh. and, and and she passed a few years ago. And we were very close as far as Torah and stuff. We would talk about Torah all the time, uh, you know, because uh, she was keeping Torah. She was she was a stiff start let's say uh, stiff necked person, right? <laughs> uh, so you know, we went to this place called Coral Ridge on 1960, and these people tried to get me to speak in tongues. One of your experiences. <laughs> they bring me up there and they're going to lay hands on me. I'm going to receive the gift of the Holy Spirit. And they try to tell me, say this, say it like this. And I look, I said, this ain't right. We left. I said, no, this ain't, you don't teach me how to speak in tongues. This is something I know because I've, I've seen, I've seen people who actually spoke in tongues. And, and I know that you can't teach a person how to speak in tongues. It's not real. So I left. Well, I, and, and, I, was, I was ignorant to it. I did try in the car one time with what I was told. Then I was like, this ain't working. And I went to my mother and she said, honey, no, that's a gift. You, you, you can't be taught that. Well, go ahead. <laughs> yeah. And see, another thing about that, see, this is another problem I have with, with a lot of the teachings in Christianity is when you receive the Holy Spirit, according to the Torah, it says, the spirit shall come upon you and you should become a new man, a different person, right? And you shall speak in exodus. In other words, you should prophesy. You're going to glorify God in your speech and in your manner. That's what it's, that's the purpose of the gift of the Holy Spirit is. It's what we call reaching kavanah or the reaching the level of prophecy. So when people are slain in the spirit, what they have actually done, if they have truly been slain in the spirit, they have reached a level of prophecy. And so many times the prophets would fall out on the ground and we would call it slain in the spirit. That's what they would call it today, being slain in the spirit. But actually it's called reaching the level of kavana or prophecy. See, Christianity doesn't teach you that. See, but when you start studying Torah and you start studying Rambam's Mishnah Torah, not the Talmud, I said Rambam's Mishnah Torah and the Torah, you find out that Isaiah, Ezekiel, Daniel, all those who reached the level of prophecy, oftentimes were what we call being slain in the spirit. Or they would just go into a, another realm. They would uh -huh. become a different pe person or another person. Just like, and as I said, when I give my, tell you about how I knew how I am or who I am, it's just like Bella or Berlin, who, when he was operating in the spirit, he was like, he was hearing God and he actually heard God and he spoke, had conversation, personal conversations with God and God spoke with him, you see. But he was not necessarily following the complete Torah, but he understood the principle of operation in prophecy. So you have to, it's a, there's a need for those who, receive the gift of the Holy Spirit to understand how to operate in prophecy. You get that as a Torah person. So as a child, I learned certain things. And as I've grown, 
uh, I, I, I started to understand that I was making big mistakes when I was thinking I was being punished when actually I was being guided by the father. Uh -huh. And so as I, as, again, as time passes and I received the gift of the spirit and I start, the Holy Spirit is speaking to me. The Torah is speaking to me and I go to Bible colleges and, the, and I'm, and I, I became the dean of a Bible college, and I was teaching Torah. That was my forte. I, I would teach Torah. And I would teach these pastors, these going-to-be pastors and these young ministers about Torah. I was teaching them Torah and the importance of keeping Sabbath and teaching them the feast, but they weren't doing it. They weren't doing it. They say, Pastor, uh, they say, uh, yeah, Pastor, you, 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 or, or, or professor you, or, or teacher, you you talk very well. I, I, I love your teaching, but the teaching means nothing if you don't apply it. So I'm a Torah man. And, and so I started crying out, Father, where can I go to find Torah keepers? So he, and I was praying this all the time and I, I started getting in contact with, with Messianic congregations. And every Messianic congregation I came into contact with was European. Some of them were Christians that became Torah keepers, and some of them were, were European Jews that became believers in Messiah uh, and Yeshua. And and, 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 I, and, I found, and I found out, Rabbi, that teaching, uh, keeping the Sabbath day holy, it, it brings your 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 marriage together. It brings your bonding together because so many times there's little doors that can be open in in, in a household or in a marriage. And when you have that 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 union together every every week, that Sabbath day, it, it, it keeps those doors closed where it's sacred. Yeah. Yeah. So you know, and, and the thing about Torah is as I think back on the youth, you know, it was just that little seed that was there and it's been with me the whole time, right? And it's grown. That seed has grown, like a mustard seed, right? It's grown. And I was being with the messianic congregations, there was still something missing. You know, even as I, as I was, again, it started with the, in, in high school and then as a pastor and being with, you know, with the big boys, you know, I can't even remember the names, half of them, but you know, like the Charles Caps and uh, John Osteen, you know, Pastor Osteen and all these, my wife and I would go to these conferences and we'd be with, with the heavyweights, but they, I just didn't feel, I didn't fit in. And then when I went to the, the, the Messianic congregation that I found, I, it wasn't either. I'm, I'm going to be honest with you. Being in the Messianic congregation, it wasn't, it wasn't hidden for me. It, it, it wasn't. Why, why, why being in a Messianic, which believing in Yahshua congregation, why didn't you fit in? Because I knew who I, I was. I always knew who Israel was, and I knew my roots. I even knew my father and my grandfather and my mother, they told me that my great-grandfather was a German because he raped my great-grandmother and found out that all this stuff was true. He was an Ashkenazi Jew. So I would go into those congregations, and I'm saying that because when I go to those congregations, and my mother is Israelite, my, um, the women on my side are Israelites, and they know it. 
Were they um, not teaching? Were they not teaching our identity in the messianic uh, church? Not our identity. They talk about the Jews. They talk about the Holocaust. They talk about all the things that pertain to European Jews, but nothing okay. to do with Africa. They had nothing to do with Africa, and was bad for my, bad for me, because I know who I am. Uh -huh. I know where my people come from, Southern Israel. Uh -huh. I know that. And we wound up migrating to Africa during the first dispersion. I know that. I know that my great great my great grandfather was an Ashkenazi Jew. I know that. And then if they're, they're if they're messianic Jews, they shouldn't be celebrating the Christmas holidays. Weren't they celebrating then you say before they were celebrating the holidays too? Yeah, one of the congregations was. Uh -huh. Even one of the first ones was. They did all that. They said they were a bridge between Christianity and, and uh, Torah. But they were really Christian, uh -huh. just disguised as Torah keepers. And I'm not going to talk about that too much because, you know, I just, I didn't uh -huh. fit right with them. The Spirit, the Holy Ghost was the, the, the Ruach HaKodesh was not power, was not as I, I understood. I felt it, I experienced it in my life. And and they didn't have, for, for again, for me, it was all about Europe, European Jews, European Jewelry. And that was not good for me. I stayed there for many years in the, you know, European setting. It just did not sit. And, and I went to a different congregation and they were uh, better because they didn't, do Christmas and they didn't do all that stuff. They were Jews, um, again, European. And, but they always talked about as if I wasn't in the room, I'd be in the room with them and we'd be in discussion. It was like, I didn't exist when it came oh. to Torah and being an Israelite or, you know, a Jew, it didn't exist. So again, you know, when you're being set to the side or you're just being tolerant, you know that you, 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 you know that. And when you, in those congregate in those conversations we, we would have and i would voice who i am and where i come from they would always question well how would you and i tell them well they were jews you know and i tell them about my youth and being in, in the in the, the temple we didn't call it a synagogue we call it a temple and they would always want to question it and i say they were jews how do you know they were jews? i said cause they were jews they were black they were the bad they, they kept shabbat they kept the torah they were jews and mm -hmm. it would really anger me it would anger me and it was not good for me. And we, I would always get into very, very verbal and, and discussing because I would not back down. This was not long ago, this was a couple of years ago, you know. I would be up on the, you know, I would go up and read the tour and stuff with it, but they still did not accept me 100%. I, I, I've, just, I, I've just come to the point in my life where, and this is today and who I am, if they're not teaching, our identity, especially the youth, and they don't have youth programs. I, I, I can't fit in. I no longer belong there, and that's what I've, I've come to. Um, that's where I'm at in my life right now because I know it's the youth that that has to go over there. It's the youth that's going back to Israel. We have to tell them their identity, and we and we have to have programs. We cannot wait for Egypt, this United States, to have programs and teach our children. It's not going to happen. And if yeah. the church is not doing that, then I, I can't I, I can't do it. But go ahead. That, that's where I'm at in my life. So it's important for us to once you if when, when you know who you are, 
And, and you know, again, by using the scripture describes who we are. Our parents can give us nuggets and tell us our customs as growing up before Christianity, when they know those things. And when you're grounded, when, it, when it's in you, the other nations really don't look at us because that's what scripture said. It was going to be, the, the scripture said it was going to be just like it is today, just like it is now. And when you know who you are, nobody can take that away from you. Uh -huh. You know, and they can tolerate you, which is what I found myself being tolerated and not accepted as an equal. I didn't ask to be more, but I would not accept less. And so there would always be, again, great debate. And they'd have me outnumbered, but I had the, I had the power. And I would demand. It's not by chance that God is using you right now to deliver the word to his yeah. people, whether it's here on Zoom, uh, satellite, whatever it is. It's not by chance. And right. it's going to get to the right person and, and um, that's going to hand it down. It's like passing the torch. The torch is like passing it and passing it and passing it. Yeah, and the proof of who you are will be revealed through the scripture. You may, again, we may have all tradition in our families, but when you get into the Torah and you start studying the scripture and you go back to that sefer, the coat raised up that sefer and you start reading the other, the, the apocrypha that, are, that are, were taken out and you start seeing, wait a minute, this is really giving a, a much more accurate description of who the Israelites are. Right. And it always comes back to you. Mm -hmm. The ones that are on the bottom right now by every nation. Think about this. When they're talking about how, and I'm going to say this and I'm going to rough some feathers that I want to. When my our brothers, the Jews, start talking about the Holocaust, and they talk about how they've been mistreated by the nations. There's nothing like what has happened to us. My great grandmother was raped by a Jew, a German Ashkenazi Jew. Nothing happened to him. Mm. What does that tell you? You see, that tells you that the Jews were above the Israelites because they're European blood. You see, and so nothing, nothing can change that. You show me a place where the Israelites are the head in this world today. And it goes back to where we're at now, white privilege at its best. And that's yeah. that they're keeping it real in me. It's white privilege at its best. And we see it every day uh, on the news right now. We see it every day. Uh, yeah. we, we, we see the officer just got uh, 22 years when we know we would have got the electric chair. There's no doubt in my mind if that was the opposite way around, it would have been a lethal injection um, done. So, yeah, so we have to be aware right, that, and it's not anything against anyone else. It's just that we need right. to know who we are and why we're in the positions that we are. And we did, now once we know who you are and, and why we, where, where we are, now we have to make the correction. So that's why we have Easter keeping it real is so that we can, enter, now that you know that you are Israel, not because of the color of your skin, because there's a spirit in you, when you get, introduced to the Torah and it begins to stick to you. It is, it's like a planting, that seed is being watered and your desire is to return to the Torah and to operate in the, the Torah. The, the Torah is your birth certificate. That's how I see the Torah 
And especially when you get into that Deuteronomy 28, that's the only, we're the only race that that has happened to. We're the only ones who our children have been stripped from our arms. We're going to a land and shackle in some boats. There's an eagle there that uh, you will not own the land. You will plant vineyards that you will not be able to eat. We've invented stuff that we will not get any uh, claims or to. It's, it's like, yo, the Torah is like our birth certificate. That's how I look at it. So I don't have to even get my DNA. I read the Bible, the Torah, that's me. I'm glad you said that, the DNA. I would always often give my testimony about my family and where we're from and we know who we are. And then I did that DNA test and it confirmed everything that I've been told in oral tradition. You hear me? It, it, it confirmed everything that I've been saying all along. And so, you know, and that tells me that the scripture is true. It tells me that God is, is true to his word. He said that while you're in the land of your captivity, you should remember who you are. And so tell me another nation of people that didn't know who they were uh -huh. and had to wake up and find out who they were. You see, There's no other people on earth. And lost even, identity, and even and when I didn't, even when I didn't know my identity, I still praised God. Even when I was broke, when I when I was destitute, when I was in my sin, I still praised Him. And that's knowing who you are too. You don't change your sister, your situation because of your situation. Because you don't have any money, don't mean you have to go out and prostitute. He will. I always knew He was going to provide for me. I always do. The sun was going to come out tomorrow. And that's another, when I think back to the glory of Yahweh, I say, you know what? No matter what happened, I still praise them. And, and if, you, if you're doing that, you're on the right path. So, yeah. And, and, you know, the good thing is that we're not the only ones. And I'm not the only one that knows who I am and where I came from. There are many of us that do. The father has always had a remnant of people that, that would carry it, you know, that would bring it back to life for everyone. There's always a remnant. And in every household, if we are careful to look, there's someone in there, every household. And that's the story of Abraham in his household. No matter what his family was doing, he still heard the word of God, heard the voice of God. Every household is going to follow that same pattern. There's someone in every household that's going to have that yearning. They may not do it, but it's in them to do it. I believe it, that because of the way the story is unfolded about Abraham Avino. And it, it's interesting that you said a cult, Elisa, she was, was was leading you even with the, the, the Holy Spirit saying, hey, you want to receive the Holy Spirit? We go back to Adam and Eve when she... We have, what I'm trying to say is women have a, a big influence in that household. And we as women, if you're listening to this now, if you start getting to the Torah, if you start, uh, you know, showing your husband away and, and uh, praying with him and, and, and teaching and just like I've done with, with my husband, Jerry, he doesn't really say much, but he, he says, okay, they, you can't go wrong because they're going to say, I'd rather have you here in God, keeping the Sabbath day holy, praying to Yahweh than out on the street or in the or going to the club. So he gonna follow you because he'd rather have you there doing that than anything else. So he's gonna follow you when it comes to the, the Lord. 
But go ahead, Rabbi. Yeah, and that again, that also goes to again back to the, even in in this, it goes to the parish off of this week. By the way, you know, one of the Israelites' men had a, a Moabite woman took her into his tent. Remember, cohabitating mm -hmm. with her in that tent. Uh, and actually, what, and what was going on is they could not overcome Israel in war. So what they did was made a league with them and began to infiltrate using their women. To and 24,000 24, people died behind that plague. 24,000. Mm -hmm. so, so we have to be aware of the power of, of the woman and how the, the, how the world uses the female to win wars or to win you. And we see that, unfortunately, with many of our athletes and those of prominence, they, they you know, get caught up in that kind of thing. But that's a story for another day. <laughs> that's a story for well, another yeah, day. As women, as women, we have to know our, our power and use it in a positive way. And even when I became saved, God said, I said, well, why are you choosing me on this? And why are you choosing me? And I was telling God all the bad stuff about me. He said, because I want you to apply that to protect my word. What you did for the devil, I want you to do it for me now. I want you to serve me. I want you to put that Easter, keeping it real, and that boldness, holy spirit that you serve me with it. Humble yourself before the people and give them. And I said, okay, Lord. Yeah. I'll say this also. I want to put this out too, that when you know, once you know who you are, it's it, the responsibility comes on you, but you'll find that when you, as long as you keep your mouth shut in corporate America, you will rise. But as soon as you assert who you are as an Israelite or Jew, you're going to have some extra, extra challenge because you're already in a challenge. But when you go forward and you realize that you know who you are and who you are, then it comes against you even more. Oh, oh yeah, you're under attack. And that's why you gotta be prepared to have your own business. You have it's to be prepared. A, it's called a double whammy. <laughs> you get a double <laughs> whammy. First, they don't like you when they see you. And then they find out, oh, you you think you, they say, oh, you think you are, 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 are a Jew or you think you're an Israelite. Okay, then they come against you. You have to be aware of that. Okay. But, and, but um, and, and, um, speaking back about the parashah was numbers 22 through 25 and nine. I was when I was reading that and it was like the Lord said us Hebrews have the strength of a wild oxen. We have the strength of a wild oxen. That that's very strong. And it talks about um when uh Balaam Balaam he was beating that that ass, which is the donkey, and it talks about animals. See those animals, you gotta watch your 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 dogs and your animals sometimes because they can see things that we can't. And so when that angel had that sword, that animal was able to see it before him. Yeah, yeah that's the animals are another way that we can see things too. But that, that was a, a lesson um, in uh, sorcery. That, that's a, a lesson in sorcery. So a lot, again, that's another reason why we need to really return to our, our sources. Uh, the Torah, to get the, the, the explanation of what's going on. Um, there, there's more in this, this, this parish that, that we, that it, that is what on the surface, what's on the surface. Our, our forefathers, our forefathers 
had a spiritual insight that we have lost over the, over the years because we we have lost the path in torah and so what we're trying to do is, is return to that and and prayerfully you know when we as today we gave our we give our testimonies and by the way uh according is there something you wanted to add to to this story because you our my story is your story our story we've been together in life longer than anything else i mean when we got married we were i was you know 24 you're 22 <laughs> and, and you know and i'm gonna you know and and so we've been I together gonna ask her, i was going to ask her too i was going to ask her what if she has something she wanted to, to say and express because i'm sure with this journey <laughs> coming from christianity and she's leading me because i'm feeling my way around still uh to for allowing me to be a part of this um, congregation, this uh, group. I thank you, uh, Hashem, for it. I thank Hashem for all of you, for the two gentlemen that have left and for those that are still remaining. Uh, I thank him for uh, giving me the opportunity to speak. Um, our stories are basically the same because we did them together. Uh, there's a little bit of a difference in the beginning, <laughs> how we met. Uh, where we met is not important, but uh, he always tells the story a little bit different every time. <laughs> he um, he knew me, but I didn't know him. Uh, and he would see me, his best friend lived next door. And uh, he would tell him, I'm gonna marry her. I never saw him. I never, I, I wasn't interested in boys. I was going to college. I was gonna be who I wanted to be. And that was that. And so uh, as we met and we dated a little bit, um, but we got to know each other and we, our friends were common. So his friends were my friends. Some of his friends were my friends. Some of my friends were his friends. And it's almost like that still today. Um, and I thank God because I was the little girl that went to school late every day. Other children were going and I was always the one that came after. But as I went, I had a desire in my heart that the type of man I wanted to marry, he would be a parent that would be at all of my children's um, uh, events and my dad couldn't be there. Um, he would be um, the type of man that you know uh, many would uh, listen to and he, and he is that man. And I thank Hashem for him. I didn't have my dad in my life when I was school age, um, but I, there was a man in my life who took the place of my father. But every day I walked to school talking to God. I didn't know who I was talking to. I just knew his name was God. Oh. And so he heard my prayer. He heard my desire. Uh, my my dad wasn't at home, but my, my ish was at home. It got a little bit challenging as time went on because he had to go away from home to work to provide for us. I didn't understand that. I didn't know the relationship between him and his father, but that his dad was always providing and that's what he was doing for us. I would have rather had him at home 
because that's how I saw married people, two people in the same house, but it wasn't like that. And I began to question what marriage was, uh, but he had to go, to go away to work. And I'm thankful for the time um, that he had to do that. It was hard because I was raising three children on my own basically, but we set up a system where I would get up at five in the morning. I'd exercise that time I did my exercise, come back, my children were up, ready for school. Our daughter was in college. And so we had to work out a system and we made that system work until he was um, released from that position. Um, I was not, in the beginning I was raised as Jehovah's Witness and it was different. I was a toddler, like my grandbaby, our grandbaby, you see, I was a toddler. So I was only allowed to say a few things, um, but I still received training at that time. And as I was old enough, I went to a Baptist church and I learned what I learned there. In college, I continued with a Baptist church, but I knew something from the time that I was in fourth grade, I'll say, that it was something different. I fell in love with Egypt. And it's true, you may hear a lot of people say Egypt was the bad place, but we went there. And as my husband has said before, uh, when I got off the plane, they said, welcome home. Wow. No place where I have been did they ever tell me welcome home. Oh. I love that place. I love the people of that place. It has a spiritual connotation to it but I won't get into that as well. But I may get a chance to go back. I'm not gonna prolong this story, but I thank you all for uh, allowing me to speak. Amen. Amen. Thank you. So, so there you have it. <laughs> 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 yeah, yeah. Yeah, we, uh, one of my desires was to make sure that that my Isha got to, to see some of the places that we just we talked about in 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 our growing up together in in marriage and in, in and you have it in your Egypt. background you have it in your background today I see it's yeah it's in actually it's in her blood Egypt is in her blood <laughs> it's in her genetics it's it's in there so you know that's but one of the, you know there are some places we have a bucket I have a bucket list. Right. <laughs> when we went over there, they wouldn't let us go to Egypt because there was a, uh, they say it's very uh, dangerous right now. So when we went over to Israel, uh, we were going to go to Egypt and they wouldn't allow us in. They said no. There are a lot of, there are a lot of Israelites over there in Egypt. Uh, you know, I, I don't trust government agencies and people when they talk about places of Africa because they lie about us and they lie about Africa. They lie about the continent of Africa. So, you know, now the truth is coming out and, uh -huh. and all that stuff is going on. We go there and the people love us, you know, they, they take care of us. And so, you know, I walked around and it, when I was in Israel, we went, to, we went to the old city, we went over there to the Muslim side and I had the ZTs on and the, and the stuff on, walk around there like, you know, big time. People just as friendly and loving, and I'm in the Muslim side, right? The Jews can't go over there like that. <laughs> they can't do that, but we can. We can go 
anywhere and everywhere as we are. And, you know, we're fine. So I don't believe when people tell me that, that my corporations told me that, it, that they were protecting me so they wouldn't let me go to, to Africa, work in Africa. They were protecting me. They were lying to me. They were lying to me. Just like the commercials so, you see of the children that um, are homeless or destitute in Africa, that I'm sure is there just like it is here in America. Yeah. It's but no the majority different. of what we've experienced, the majority of you'll find on YouTube, commercials, um, testimonies, videos, they are a very prosperous nation. And that country, that part of the world is severely blessed, severely prosperous. That's why people are going there to, um, the word I want to say is um, pull out the resources of the country. There are so many there and they're, everybody's trying to get their hands on it. So be aware of where you're getting your information from. And the truth is coming out now. So we, you know, we, the truth is coming out and, and the, the, once, you know, once it's out, you can't, you can't, once the gene is out of the bottle, you can't put him back, he's out. So the truth is out now. And, and, and just like we finding out who we are all over the world, people know who we are. The truth is coming out. Uh -huh. so they're trying to to suppress the truth, but you know it's out now. It's out of the bottle, and, and it's it's not going back in. Right. We don't. We're not going to allow it to go back in. Uh -huh. We know who we are. We know whose we are. We know our land. We know that Israel is Africa. It's called Africa Israel, Northeast Africa, and we know that. And so, just like all the rest of the world, it's been overtaken by other people. And and uh, you know under the guise of, of of Judaism, but it's not well, Israel because of the things that are going on in the land. Now I'm uh, you know I'm not against the Jews in the land, but but they have to change their attitude because they're doing the same thing that the Samaritans did when the Israelites came back when the the tribe of Judah and and Benjamin went back in. They're treating us the same way. Well, we, know, we know that there's a lot of signs going on, you know, it's that building the other day, uh, God help everyone that right now that the building fell was up for 40 years, that number again, and they can't understand why the structure fell. There's hurricanes happening, there's fires going on, um, there's people being spit out of wells. I mean, there's so, there's so many signs that's going on, and um, we, we got to know that the, the Bible is repeating itself and we got to know that we don't have to do another 40 years wandering around in this Egypt that we can cut the time by doing what we're doing now, recognizing our identity, uh, moving forward in the tour and, and going back. And so, and I think our, our you know, uh, I spoke to one of my um, Jewish friends who I've, I've eaten at their table and Shabbat and all that before I in Sabbath before I even knew I had my awakening, and when I went back to him because he's probably about eighty years old, he said, "Yeah, I knew," and so he said, "But your people are gone; they've lost, and it take four or five generations to come back." There's nothing too hard for God. There's nothing too hard for our Yahweh and Yahshua. And when the awakening happens, it is going down. It's going to happen, and can no can no devil in hell stop a movement of God. Okay, and so 
the happening has already happened. It's right. Already out. That's why, that's one of the reasons why the continent of Africa is calling us back because mm -hmm. they know the power that, that the Israelites have on that continent. They, they were, you know, the, the, the they, land when is they got rid of us, yeah. The land is crying out for us. Yeah. It, and it, so we thank everyone for their testimonies. We thank Yahshua and Yahweh for us being able to celebrate a year. We thank you for the Passover. We're going to do our, our last drawing. We thank everyone for uh, pouring out their hearts uh, to people in our testimony. It's not easy to talk about yourself and tell about, about yourself, but God requires that because your testimony, it breaks yokes. And so we, we pray that somebody's been blessed with what we said today and that we can help you along your path. And um, if you ever want to reach out to me, I'm, I'm crawling. Like I said, who am I? I'm, I'm crawling along this. And if you want to know, you know, Easter, how did this help you? What, what, just reach out to me and I'll tell you. I'm, I'm, on, I'm Easter keeping it real. I'll be the realest one to tell you. It's been a struggle. So I'm going to pull uh, for another uh, email address. And uh, N-A-J-I-M-M-O-M-O-H -M -M at gmail.com. He's a young man that comes on sometime. He's over, uh, over out of the country. Every once in a while he comes on. I, I don't know his, his first name, but that's his. So we have our two um, $52 winners, and we pray that that, that $52 just bless someone because we've been blessed, and the Lord says, to whom much is given, much is required. And so um, that that little offering that we gave is, is nothing compared to the word of God that the rabbi and everyone has has put out for for everyone. Um, and Rabbi, if you can uh, close us in prayer, please. Okay. Father, we just thank you for allowing us to study your Torah. We thank you for the opportunity to come, Father, to this place and share our testimonies of how wonderful and how gracious you are toward us as your children. We thank you for opening up our hearts and our minds to receive your Torah with gladness. And we pray, oh, Father, that you will continue to bless the children of Israel to increase thank us in our knowledge of your Torah. Grant us a portion, O oh Father, that we may live. And favor us, O oh Father, and prosper the works of our hands, O oh Father. O oh, prosper the works of our hands. And may the words of our mouth and meditation of our heart be acceptable in your sight, our Lord, our strength, and our Redeemer. Amen. 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 We thank everyone for tuning in. We look forward to seeing you next Saturday. Uh, keep in prayer those families. Um, and the loved ones that's in, that's in that rubble, in that in that building. Lord, we ask that you lead us and guide us and you help us and you keep us. We pray that the Passover continues to happen with your people. We pray for the lost, that, uh, that, 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 that the atheists that are lost, that don't want to conform. But Lord, you said every, every knee is going to bow and every tongue is going to confess. You said the rocks are even going to cry out. And we ask, Lord, that you just keep us and lead us and that you use us to, to point to the cross, to, to point to the east, to, to point back to Israel and that you awaken your people. We shut the devil's mouth right now and we send it back to the pits of hell because we know that God is not a God that's going to be mocked. And we know his word 
is going going to go on forever. And we know that that is the foundation in anything else besides the Torah and besides the word of God is sinking sand. And we ask that you open up your hearts. We ask that you open up your mind. We ask that you read the Torah and that you try him. And there will be peace beyond understanding. We thank you and we'll see you next week. We love you. Shalom. Shalom, shalom.